Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the Follow Podcast, where we're hoping to have an honest and open conversation that will help people who are actively learning to live like Jesus. We are in season one, Dangerous Conversations, and uh, we're taking a look uh, at the Bible out of uh, a series that we're in, uh, the same, same theme, same idea, Is the Bible a Dangerous Book? And this past weekend, uh, our lead pastor, Jonathan Smith, was speaking, and he's joined me in the studio right now. Hey, guys. So glad to have you here. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna dive in a little bit on some of the, the topics you taught on this weekend, and maybe a little bit of an application and unpacking, which I'm excited about. And uh, we've got some questions that uh, people who've been listening to the podcast or part of the series have been sharing with us. Keep them coming. It's been great. And if you're uh, listening to us right now, uh, you might want to join us on YouTube sometime and check out the podcast there where you can see us because we're two handsome fellas. <laughs> and uh, or if you if you want to take us on the road with you, we're a, we're an audio podcast as well, so you can check us out on both of those those places. Uh, but let's let's start with just talking about the teaching this past weekend. Okay, I'm going to do my best to summarize your teaching from this weekend. And uh, feel free to jump in and correct me wherever. <laughs> I, I want to see how good you are at taking notes. So you go ahead. <laughs> I did rewatch it. That's great, man. So I, I so I could do a, a good job. So uh, let's let's start with with just an understanding. You gave us the the framework that the Bible is an ancient and diverse document, and it has a moving timeline. Mm. So it's not just all in one place or one time. And you gave us four ways to read the Bible based on that. First is context, what comes before or after a text that we read, the pretext and the post-text uh, helps us determine the context. And your mug, your favorite mug, oh, yeah. is kind of uh, <laughs> when we do it wrong. I can do all things through scripture taken out of context. Yeah. That's a fantastic mug. Isn't that great? <laughs> it's so good. Um, so that's context. The second one is perspective. Placing the con, uh, placed uh, the the whatever uh, micro narrative we're reading in the context of the larger macro narrative yeah. that the whole Bible tells, and that con- that uh, macro story is the story of of uh, of God, but it is the tone that you focused on, the the love of Jesus or the Jesus type of love is the tone that we should be reading everything through. Uh, the third thing is community. A diverse community helps us read scripture with complexity. So not just having um, unanimous voices around the table. Mm-hmm. It helps us uh, be corrected, helps us be challenged, and it even opens up fresh understanding, fresh revelation when we're reading scripture that we would have missed alone, right? And finally, mystery. And this one was really cool. You quoted Dr. Scott McKnight, a theologian who's, who said something, um, a, a bit of a clip of it here, not we read the Bible not so we can know it, but so we can know and love God through it, mm. and so we can live it, so we can be mastered by it. Um, and so there should be something left unknown, something left un- not understood. Still, if we're discovering a God beyond our understanding, right? That's what I was taking away from that. And I love how if we're at a point at the end of all this, the mystery should drive us back towards community, a place where we can help fill the gaps that we're having. It should drive us back towards um, uh, perspective, uh, trying to shape our perspective. How does this fit in the macro narrative? Mm. And it should also help us be curious about the context. 
when we when we don't understand things. So how did I do? Is that all right, right? That's a, that was excellent, man. Well done. Okay, there you go. Full so, marks. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to watch the full teaching, which is very much worth your time, uh, you can check it out on YouTube or on our website. And uh, and uh, we've even we even uh, had a, a PDF that we shared that's available on our website right now with uh, the timeline of the different books and everything. Lots of great resources that have been part of this series. Okay. So let's let's jump into some of the meat. Okay. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. So you you quoted Scott McKnight one other time and you mentioned he he was saying that uh there's then and there's now. And uh so you even you even went a little further and you took many people's favorite scripture verse <laughs> Jeremiah 29:11 these are the plans I have for you. You can look it up. It's a beautiful verse yes. and it sounds like it's something that God wants to give us a warm blanket of yeah. coziness. Um, but you gave us the context that that was like in seventy years I'll do this, right? And there was someone else who was providing the more, even more cozy um, pro- prophetic word, and everyone wanted to believe that that person. What was his name again? Hananiah. Hananiah. Yeah. And uh, we all want to we want to hear from the Hananiahs, but sometimes uh, we have to hear the context for the the Jeremiah. So, um, I I I have a question for you uh, based on that New Year's Eve. Yeah. You provided us uh, this really lovely uh, printout card that we all took home. So if you're with us New Year's Eve, you would have you would have got this or got the download, and it's got like one, single verses, no yeah. no pretext, no no post text, and they're all warm and fuzzy. So how many of these are you going to shred for us? <laughs> you know, you, you, you know the Jeremiah twenty nine eleven passage. Like I, I had someone talk to me after they said, uh, "You you went after my favorite verse and." I wasn't so much going after the verse. I want I want us to understand how much more richer and robust it is more than a standalone verse that we kind of pick and choose. Obviously not written to us directly, but written to the Jews in exile. And obviously, as we just you just unpacked a little bit, the greater context is the mm. story he's refuting a false prophet. Right. And so he kind of throws out that verse and he talks about in 70 years, you're going to experience right. prosperity and freedom, where Hananiah is saying in two years. And uh, I think I think the larger beautiful thing in that is one of, uh, obviously, the temptation to, to use verses that are set in a larger narrative that will show a lot more of who God is. The larger narrative is God's always playing the long game. We're right. always interested in the short game. We prefer the short game. I get it. I'm the same as everybody else. But God is playing the long game, and he was with his people, and he does with us. He's always more interested in eternal life with us and everlasting, which starts now whenever we choose Jesus. Right. But it spreads into the larger... It's a difference with you have two young boys. You can parent them in the present and the immediate, or you can parent them to be good adults someday. Mm-hmm. And they're two different approaches. Uh, but I, I would say, like in the you know to this context, yeah, like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is still a good verse for people. It shows how God cares for His people. Shows about the great hope we have rooted in Jesus. So I think it's still a great verse for people. These are verses anchored in the macro narrative, so they're reflections of the larger story. But I could give you thirty verses of context around that one. <laughs> <laughs> and and you might not read it. It's not going to pop the same way. Right. And I realize in in our own humanity, there's sometimes we sit down and we enjoy that great three course meal or four course course meal. And sometimes you know you're grabbing the chocolate bar on the on the run. Right. So in our humanity, uh, we probably need both. 
So is it okay? Like when when I'm reading the, the the Bible and I come across a verse and it just feels like it popped out to me. Is yeah. it okay? Well, like I, I think there's something okay in that. Like in the, the Holy Spirit can illuminate scripture to us, but I think the larger context is so much more important than what you're feeling in mm. the moment. Um, you know, so Scott McKnight uses that kind of term that was then, this is now, we need to remember that when we're reading an ancient document. I think I mentioned, you know, he says, God spoke in the Old Testament in Old Testament ways. He speaks in the New Testament in New Testament ways, and he speaks in our days in our ways. Okay. So let me, let me, let me pose this to you as a possible method. You tell me if it works. Uh, when, when, uh, when I'm reading, let's say, memoirs for someone else, uh, from someone else's life, uh, it could be even like an autobiography or, or a biography, and we're reading something and our heart is moved because we see something powerful, uh, mm-hmm. love or compassion or something positive in someone else's life to someone else. And we can feel, wow, that tells me about the person who wrote that, even if they weren't writing that note to me. Right. Is that a good way of capturing the heart of when we're, like, especially Old Testament, we're, we're reading a lot of things that God is saying to and, and promising for a nation or sometimes just a couple people, and we want, we want them for ourselves. Yeah. And I, I, think, I think there are aspects that obviously the whole older part of the Bible, and it's all old to us, right, but, yeah. but the Old Testament, uh, we get an intimate picture of God's relationship with his people. The correction, the encouragement, the, the deliverance, uh, punishment, all those things, everything a parent does with their child. You get an intimate picture, and it sh- reveals the character of God, right. and it shows his relationship to his creation. And it also shows the arc of the great, and this is why that one kind of unifying story of Scripture we talked about on the weekend is so important, because it shows the arc of God's rede- uh, redemptive plan. Right. And it's it's an arc. Uh, it didn't just start when Jesus showed up. Mm-hmm. It started in the garden once Adam and Eve chose to do things, seize power their own way. Immediately, God enacts the redemption plan. It's already at work. Right. Okay, so what about people who say, um, if God says it, I believe it. If it's written in the Bible, I, I live it out. Like this is, if you know, the black yeah. and white type of approach. And I think a lot of people, when they say that, uh, you know, sometimes I think because we want to uh, affirm that we're so Bible-centric or something, right. that we make those statements, I would say there's nobody that actually lives that. Okay. We all pick and choose. Okay. Every one of us picks and chooses. Uh, so, uh, for example, I think uh, Scott McKnight writes about this, and you know, I think this is such a great book. If anyone's rethinking how to read the Bible, it's called The Blue Parakeet by Scott McKnight. Yes, you mentioned that to me. It's one of the best books I've read on uh, accessible in in terms that any believer could grab that'll help you read. But he does this little thing in it, so I'm going to do it with you. Okay. I want to test you. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures or commands that are found in scripture, and I want you to tell me whether you think they're for today or not. Okay. These are all from Leviticus <laughs> oh, chapter <okay. laughs> 19. All of them are from Leviticus okay. chapter 19. So, What's ma- the pretext and co- post-text? <laughs> and I, well, I will say this, that they all kind of pretext, post-text ends with this, I'm the Lord your God, I am holy. <laughs> okay. So these are the commands attached to, right. I'm the Lord your God and I am holy. Yeah. Okay, so okay. let me give you one. Okay, be holy because the Lord your God is holy. Is that for today? I, I honestly think, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. 
Uh, you must observe my Sabbath. I'm the Lord your God. I I honestly think yeah, I, I'm, and I'm again I'm talking about people who follow Jesus, right? That's my context. I'm I would say if you're not following Jesus, none of this would be for you, right? Okay, okay, uh, uh, but it would be helpful for you. Sure, you know, because, maybe yeah. yeah uh, you like, could follow some of these commands. Well, even a even Sabbath rhythm, Jesus, yeah, is healthy for anyone, whether they're a person of faith or not. There's yeah. something in God's design in humanity that I I see the the power of that rest. But okay, yeah, let yeah, me give you another yeah, one. Totally. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of the field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I'm the Lord your God. I mentioned last week that I was reading through the early books of the the, the Bible. That's one of my favorite commands. I love that one. How do how do I say yes, but the principle, not the because well, I don't glean. Am I? Should I be answering? Well, like, like I'm wondering. Black and white. I'm wondering. Do you really keep the Sabbath as it was intended in Scripture? <laughs> right. I or, don't light any fires. <laughs> but the the technicalities around. Okay. Here look, we we got some even better ones. Okay. I uh, do not go about spreading slander among your people. Is that okay. for today or? No? Yeah, it'd be for today. It is for today. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. Do not wear clothes woven of two kinds of material. Well, I've I've definitely disobeyed that because in my little planter in the backyard, <laughs> I've definitely planted multiple kinds of seeds. So. Have you worn clothes that have mixed I fibers? Bet you this has got both. So yeah. <laughs> okay, so for then, maybe not for today. It sounds like it. Well, I hope so. Okay. Uh, do not <laughs> eat meat with blood still in it. I like barbecue though. <laughs> Beef do, is so good. Do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. I, this is a video podcast, so I, I do not We're both that. in drastic disobedience <laughs> yeah. of that one. Do not put tattoo marks on yourself. I'm the Lord your God. I follow that one so far. Yeah. But uh, Was that w- for today or, or no? Yeah, I would say... Uh, I, I'm 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 I've looked into it a little bit, so I would say it's probably not for today because of the context of what a tattoo was. Right. Yeah. Uh, stand up in the presence of those who are aged. Ooh. Maybe that's a nice to have. I'm the not, Lord your God. <laughs> nice to have, not need to have. <laughs> so you know what's interesting with all of these ones, um, you right away you kind of knew like one to four kind of technically applies to today. Right. Some of the others you kind of know instinctively don't. Right. How do you know that? Right. And and who am I to say they don't? Right? Like who am I to say whether they're not whether or not they apply to my life? I would probably say again, it can't be just what applies to your life. Mm-hmm. Like so like tattoos. Again, I'm obeying with you in that I don't yeah. have any tattoos. But uh contextually, it probably has less relevance to today than it did then. Right. It had different meaning. So if a tattoo had meanings that implications towards slavery and other kinds of things. So right. so don't take those marks on. Today, I would say it's not relevant to today, but it's contextually based. The key is like how do you know when to uh contextualize something in an ancient culture and what do you drag into 2022? And you mentioned uh, about the principles right. of it. Right. Right. So what are the, the principles? Was I cheating? No, no, I think I think I think that's I think that's one of the keys, right? Okay. Like so uh, that favorite command you mentioned, I liked. Uh, oh, I love that one. Yeah, when you reap the harvest of your land, don't reap to the very edges. That's now, so beautiful. You don't obey that directly because you don't technically farm. 
Not right. to my knowledge, beyond <laughs> your little planters in the back, exactly, right? Yeah. But your life and what you and Margaret produce and the field, which is your home yeah. and your your finance and your your time and all of that, is there edges still available for the outsider? Right. Is there edges still available for the marginalized? And I think the principle is 2023. Right. The direct command, even like I joked about the Sabbath, Matt, you don't. You do keep the Sabbath. We have a great video online about that. That was fantastic. It was it's such a, a good one for the family. Yeah. But but there is a technical part where you don't keep it the exact way in the law. Right. Sana, you know, Friday to Saturday, you have a different way of doing it, and it's because we're New Covenant people. But at the same time, yeah. that principle is something that I think uh, is affirmed in the New Testament too. Right. Totally. Okay. So, um, the if if we if we are black and white reading people yeah um sometimes I, I guess even growing up in church and if if you've been in church you've probably experienced some of this people who some of the people who seem to memorize scripture and know it the most uh seem to use it in ways that that uh are almost like a they like they weaponize it yeah it's, it's sad like i've been pastoring 30 years i've experienced a lot, of, and again, thankfully not everyone. I think of my mother-in-law who, real student of scripture, and you, you've you met her. She's she so may sweet. be one of the sweetest people I know in the world. And I think it's uh, obviously personality-driven, uh, but just because you are a good student and a lot of people can use scripture, and even churches can use scripture in ways that are unhealthy, unhelpful, and lack the tone of scripture— and so it becomes, I call it weaponizing scripture. Right, yeah. So, you know, I, I remember a gentleman, different church, different time era. Man, I don't know if there's a more knowledgeable person and a nastier person. Yikes. Which really saddened me. His knowledge just gave him opportunity to stand on people. Mm. So this is the difference between, you know, standing over the text or coming under the text. Mm. You know, the knowledge of scripture should humble us. right. And, you know, that larger, we talked about it in that unifying story, the unifying story that Jesus taught that, you know, the ethic was serving people, not lording over people. And it was our love for our enemies and the marginalized and the poor that they would rule the world. Like, it's a completely upside down ethic. If we're mining scripture or using scripture to dominate, whether it's a culture or society, or we're trying to hold a world accountable by biblical standards right. when we're not, it's not a Christian country. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I know we like to harken back to, but it was. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, without diving into our history, I, I don't know. I don't, think, I don't, think, I don't in, think we could say that. But yeah, I don't think there's a section in heaven that has Canada on it. Right, you know? right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I guess the, the question for us then becomes like, how do we handle those situations? Like, if, if, you're, if, if you're a follower of Jesus— how do, how do you discern when someone's using scripture in a way that's that's uh, Jesusy? Yeah, and and I guess you could go back to that macro narrative of love. Yeah, right. And you you mentioned a bit of that on the weekend. You know, you know, um, Keith Smith, our teaching pastors, talked on this before, and I thought it was very helpful. I mean, if you truly love people, uh, and probably one of the things that we don't do well in church is confront one another in love. Wow. You know, because we're busy confronting the world when it doesn't call us to do that. Right. We're actually supposed to confront one another in love. Why is that so hard for us? I I think because 
I don't, even if I see you misstepping, Matt, like I can see, I know I'm misstepping. So who am mm-hmm. I to, and, but you know, if I love you, you know, there's an element of that. I have a responsibility to you then. So love is edifying. Love is encouraging. Love is healing. Love is correcting. So all, if we see that as the unifying tone of scripture, that even God's commands, they're meant purely from a place of love. Um, not punitive nature. They're not trying to control. Perfect love casts out all fear, mm-hmm. right? And I think I think the New Testament way of understanding even commands and everything creates a different level than the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And it calls us to a greater ethic. It's no longer an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It's turn the other cheek. It's, it's love your enemies. It's bless those who persecute you. That's a whole different level of of love. And I think... One of the ways I would judge, you know, if people are coming at me with lots of verses and quoting it, it does it sound loving? Does it feel right. loving? And it doesn't mean does it bother me? Right. It's like, is this, do they really have my best interests in mind? Are they really, a lot of those things matter in terms of tone. I think, I think you gave us such handles on just even discerning. Is this, is this a loving right. tone? I, you know, again, too, like, I mean, I used to, You've probably been around enough to know, too, I've been a part of churches where you, you had church when you got beaten by the pastor. <laughs> like, if he got really angry in the pulpit and it was yeah. passion and fire and you got to do better, then it's like the Holy Spirit was here. And we almost condition people to be feeling God when we feel wretched. Right. And it's like, uh, is that really? I mean, conviction is one thing. Uh, and the conviction is a gift. Condemnation is a whole different thing. Right. And anger is a whole different thing. And anger is a very difficult emotion because it's a secondary one. And there's usually something sitting underneath it that's driving it. And it's dangerous. It's dangerous in places of teaching. And people will point to Jesus turning over the tables or different Mm, moments. Right. And I'd say, yeah, he was perfect in his anger, though. (laughs) Right. And I'll tell you, I'm not that guy. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm I'm not I'm not quick to anger. Uh, it's not my nature. Some people it is, and I'm not judging them. It's just more their nature. Yeah. But in your anger, don't sin is very hard. Right. It's so easy to sin in your anger. Totally. Um, I mean, you you might get a, a few extra emails in the coming <laughs> coming uh, months if if we're inviting for uh, correction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I get plenty of the correction emails already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> And uh, but but that's that's worth noting too. I I, I think like we, we we talk about practices here a lot, mm. and spiritual practices or anything that helps us actively live like Jesus. Doing things that He did helps us live like Him and become like Him, right? Right. Well, listening to spiritual teaching is a great healthy practice when you're listening to great healthy teaching, right? Uh, and I think you you mentioned this briefly on the weekend, uh, and I. Uh, I mean, it, it couldn't have been easy to say when when you're the one of our, well, you are our primary teacher to say, you should be listening to us if you're our community. Right, right. But thank you for saying that. Like, uh, the, Well, it wasn't egocentric. It had I nothing know. to do with me. Uh, I just know, uh, like I enjoy great teachers and podcasts and, you know, I, I have some of my faves as I know you would and, and th- they're fantastic resources. But I remind myself all the time, they're speaking to a different congregation and a different totally. setting and a different place for a different purpose. And I'm listening in on a conversation that I believe God is giving that local lies community. 
So I can glean from it, like looking over the shoulder of someone's, you know, I, I can glean things from it, but I need to remember they're accountable there. Right. I'm accountable here. Uh, you are. Uh, Pastor Jessica, Pastor Keith, and our teaching team, we're accountable here. Our next-gen team leading our next-gen. And so we're trusting that God is leading us into what's best for the community here. So, yeah, I, I was tongue-in-cheek. I said, you know, we may not be the best Bible teachers, but we're your Bible teachers. Right. And there's a sense of accountability to the community. So a uh, good question then. How do we find the word discern? I mean, uh, some some of my my uh, heroes in the faith at, at different moments, uh, when I've heard some of their YouTube subscriptions and feeds, I've been so concerned for them. Mm. And how do, can you speak to us just for a moment? And this might be more for our community than yeah. if you're listening in from some other place. We're glad you're here. But this might be more for our community. How do we discern which voices we should be allowing into our uh, our, our lives as um, you know, auxiliary teachers. Yeah. You know, I grew up in a different era than you, Matt, and there would have been, um, you had your pastor, but then everybody had their TV pastor. Right. You know, Jimmy Swagger, Jim Baker, whoever <laughs> it was. Tape subscriptions. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, they had their version of their Bible, the Jimmy Swagger Bible or different things. Okay. And so they would often correct their local pastor because Jimmy said this. Uh, and uh, I, this was the era I grew up in. I always find it dangerous. Don't anchor yourself to one person. Mm. Don't anchor yourself to one ministry. Uh, it It's one paradigm. It's one perspective. It's one approach. Uh, you probably would say the same. You lead all of our creative team here when it comes to music and uh, styles or approaches or even, you know, anchoring yourself to just one. Artist. Worst, uh, yeah, exactly. Probably not healthy because all your eggs are in a human's basket somehow. Right. And you put a, more stock in that person. And what they, if they stop releasing music? <laughs> <laughs> or what, what if they what if they take a turn right. in their life right. that's not helpful and it's so jarring for you? So I, I love diversity, cultural diversity, uh, different preachers, teachers, and, and authors that, that I like to read. Uh, but I always remember this. Uh, eat the chicken, throw away the bones. I always assume... I, even the people I love most, I always assume there's going to be a few bones. Right. There's going to be some things that are less helpful because maybe contextually it's for their group of people, or maybe it's uh, I'm from a different tradition, being a Pentecostal. Maybe it's less helpful all the time, but I like healthy voices. One that I can see are well-educated in the scriptures. Mm. Uh, now, again, this is my bet. The more emotive the communicator is, probably the less I'm connected to them. Sure. Now, this might be just from my background, <laughs> but like, I want to know that they put in the work. I want to know that there's a track record in their ministry that's healthy. Those kind of things help me. And it's good to note, if you are more emotive, uh, you can be maybe carried away on the wind of, of a moment more so than others. And that's a blessing in so many ways, but it could be also a, a danger to watch out yeah, for. Yeah, if I'm just listening to speakers that just you know, are in my wheelhouse too. That's not all healthy. Yeah. Like I need diversity of voices too. But like, I do think uh, if they move too far away from the person of Jesus, that's a real warning sign. Mm. If they are constantly talking about what's going to bless me, Ooh. that's a warning sign to that's me. That's a big one for me too. <laughs> so so like even the songs we sing, Matt, we work really hard at this and you you and your team do, but like we try not to make them all about me, myself, and I. Right. Because this is actually about Jesus. Yeah. 
This is about our King. This is about God. And I really appreciate the work you guys do to kind of curate songs that are going to be a blend. Of course, it's how God intersects with our life and we worship in response to what he's done, but also to just for who he is. Right. Not just his hand, what he gives us, but his face. Uh, You guys do a lot of job curating that. I say with teachers too, the sensational, the ones that go after the latest trends spiritually that are happening in the world. Right. All of these things are little warning lights to me. That's that's really helpful. Yeah. That's a good short list for us to, yeah. to be watching out for. And I think something that you mentioned a couple of times just now, but we've been talking about right from the beginning of this podcast, uh, and even in the weekend, is community. Mm. I think if you become more and more isolated into a narrow band of followers of a person or a narrow band of of voices that all agree with you, you're you're going to get more and more dangerous to be fl- on an ice flow, kind of just <laughs> drifting. Right. Right. Whereas if you're in a diverse community where you're able to I heard this on this podcast what do you guys think about it and if you're if you if you have that open heart to hear feedback and not feel like uh, when uh, an idea is criticized you're being criticized there's a chance for you to to watch out for those weak areas I just got messaged uh, by a young adult in the church who sent me and now uh, this is pre-Lent because I'm taking off uh, social media during this time. Oh, nice. But through my Instagram, uh, mentioned, tagged me in a video that someone else brought to him about, uh, it was a speaker preaching from the Old Testament uh, using the genealogy. It was very fascinating. Whoa, okay. There was all of these kind of connections <laughs> that were going like- Sounds uh, a bit like one of those boards with all the red- It, it, <laughs> the was, red it, was, it was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting. And, and he just asked me, he wanted to know, like in community again- you know, what do you think about this? Right. So I actually talked to him on the weekend. I said, so, hey, interesting video. Because I, I want to be fair, and I'm not a critical person about people teaching. It's not easy to teach. Uh, but he said, it doesn't doesn't ring, like, central to me. And I said, because it's not. Right. This, this person is taking massive leaps. And he said, well, the person who brought it to me, I, I, I kind of warned them that way, too. I didn't think it was quite healthy. But part of it was, we're in community. I'm in community with him. He right. could approach me. I, I could approach you. And these are ways to test things. I think it's important to test things, especially in this day and age. And and uh, another really important thing you said, there's only one hill to die on. And without getting too yeah. cheesy, that's Calvary. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's yeah. what Jesus did for us. Yeah. That's the hill we die on. Um, and we've, we've been talking about a lot, a, a lot about that in this, this series. Okay, so speaking of community, why don't we actually do something? I've been looking forward to this. Let's read a challenging bit of scripture. Oh yeah. And let's let's practice it. Let's let's go through those four things that you talked about and discern this in community right here you and I. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Two middle-aged white guys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well we'll do Thanks our best. Thanks for putting yourself in the same age category as me. My goodness. Well, the older Give or I, take a decade or so. <laughs> the older I get, the more closer I get to you, I guess, <laughs> percentage-wise at least. Okay, so let's uh you chose this one. Yep. And you, you're not pulling any punches. No, it's so, a tough one. Those are tough. First one. First Peter, chapter three, verses one to six, mm-hmm. and uh, this is going right to the gender uh, conversation that we we had a little bit of on the weekend. Right. So, do you want me to read it first? I think let's let you read it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So this is the New Living Translation, and there's going to be a lot of differences depending on where you read it. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Let's go. <sighs> okay. Here we go. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. <laughs> this is <laughs> so tough to read. This is an easy one, eh? <laughs> yeah. 
Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of your fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband, Abraham, and called him her master. Uh, You are her daughters, and when you do what is right, without fear of what your husbands might do. Okay, so context. Uh, And we (laughs) should end it with, uh, this is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, so fascinating passage here. Yeah. And load it. Yeah. Load it. A lot of this stuff, uh, and I would love to, eventually we should do a series on some of the relationship aspects of what Paul teaches, Peter's teaching, because a lot of it gets lost in modern day translation too. But there's three things basically Peter's driving at, he commands here. One, you know, wives submit to your non-Christian husbands here. Right. That you might be able to win them. So that's an okay. interesting command. Then basically about fashion and jewelry. You know, don't 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 be concerned about those things. Right. And then uh, call your husband Lord. Yeah. <laughs> or master is the translation you did. Yep. One of the older translations was the call your husband Lord. Now, it, even the most conservative people uh, who might grab hold of number one and say, okay, yeah, why submit to your husbands? Right. Most of them don't require the spouse to call their their husband Lord or Master, even though it is biblical, and our our wives might be watching this right now, and I do feel like we should be burning that back. Master be, Master works a little better it, than Lord for me. It, 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 it's just it's in the Bible. It's in the it's Bible. Horrible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so what is it driving at here? Like, how does this fit in the larger context and the macro narrative and the micro narrative, and how do we make sense of a passage like this? So, what are some of the things that jump out to you right away? Yeah. I, um, I think I think there's there's an end to some of the the means, and and so that speaks to me a lot more than the means. It, by saying, uh, live a good life in front of people who don't know Jesus, and then they're won over without using any words. Mm-hmm. I mean, that alone, if you take that nugget, that could apply to anybody. And that seems like maybe I don't understand everything about the accept the authority of your husbands, that mm-hmm. seems like something we need to unpack what that actually means. Mm-hmm. But I can see that the end, what's the point of that? The point is to help yeah. someone come close to Jesus. So the macro narrative is mutual submission in marriage. Right. That's the macro narrative. So what is, what is Peter driving at here? Uh, well, likely uh, these are husbands who are not followers of the way right? with a spouse who is a follower of the way. So, she is going to want to assert, because there's truths in Scripture, there are things they ask of us that maybe a husband is not signed up for. Right. So basically act in such a way that he'll want to listen to you. Right. Now, uh, submission's a bigger word to unpack. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to unpack it right now, but you know, in my marriage, I think in your marriage too, Matt, we, we pl- practice mutual submission. Yeah. Shelly leads when, when she's better at something, I'll lead when I'm better at something, but yep. we no one's running over. What we want to avoid is a power imbalance. Right. You know, we're mutually in this together. And so I don't pull out that card. Right. And I would say contextually, we we should do something on that to unpack it more. The second truth is, totally. you know, about what you wear in fashion. Right. 
What's the larger macro narrative principle? Modesty. Mm-hmm. For men and women. You know, uh, it's and in that culture and day and age, those kind of outward adornments would speak to a lack of modesty in okay. those days, but not in today. Like, right. I mean, uh, I know lots of people enjoy looking okay <laughs> right. and dressing themselves up. It can be an artistic expression. It's There's nothing wrong with those things in particular. Again, that was then, this is now. So where's principle I'm getting from this is, is live your life in such a way around Christian people who are not followers of Jesus that they were going to want to follow him. Yeah. Live with some modesty. Now, I do think the command about Lord and master might be something. <laughs> you know, again, it's going back to... Uh, Abraham uh, and Sarah. Exactly. And, yeah. and an old, old Testament thing that was going on there. But there's a principle being shared here that has to fit in the macro narrative. Otherwise, how do you make sense of this in 2023? Yeah. Without being oppressive, uh, and even misogynistic, we get, need to be careful. The equality, and we talked about it in the weekend, the macro narrative about women in scripture is very clear. Uh, the micro narratives are very unique to situations and cultural moments. Right. I mean, even that that last phrase almost seems to turn it on its head. I, I, like, I haven't done any study on this. Your, your daughters, when you do what is right, without fear of what your husbands might do. Mm. So... Clearly, it's not saying you do whatever your husbands tell you to do. Mm-hmm. You do what's, what is right. It, the only so, time, only familial relationship where we see the word obey is children to their parents. Right. You never see it in the marital relationship. So uh, sometimes I do lots of weddings. I've done lots of weddings. And every once in a while, someone will say, I like the classic vows. And I'll say, I will do everything but obey your husband. Right. Because I don't believe it's a biblical command. And so I don't think that's healthy or helpful because it creates a power imbalance in a relationship from the very beginning. Right. We mutually submit one to the other. Yeah. I'm not going to steamroll over, over Shelly, and she shouldn't steamroll over me. Right. So um, we maybe just really quickly, are there any of the four things that you talked about this weekend that helped you pull out some of those those ideas like context yeah. perspective community and mystery like is there anything that you're using there when you're reading first peter yeah so like i mean obviously perspective because i talked about that macro the yeah. unifying story of god um this could be used in such an unloving way uh and that's that's with all the commands or anything we read it could be very unloving. And I alluded to it on the weekend that because we talked about let the women be silent in yeah, church, yeah, yeah. which is I, I didn't get a chance to unpack it fully because there's even more around those verses that are quite fascinating. And even in some of the original manuscripts, those verses weren't in it. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole thing that we could unpack, but that's for another time. But I did say this, I'm a male that could benefit from that verse. And we can have many hidden biases, even hidden to ourselves. Mm. And this is why community becomes so important in reading these. I, if I read this with my wife, Shelly, she's going to help me contextualize this okay. a little differently. Uh, now, I'm secure in my, my role as a husband and a father and w- whatever that is, that I'm not needing to lord it over someone. But those are, good, those are weaponized verses if you're not careful. You can make them say what you need them to say. And I could be blind to the bias around it. So 
you alluded to it earlier, and I think even when we talked about, you know, if God said it, that settles it for me kind right. of thing. yeah. There's a flat read, and we talked about it in week one in the series. We could read the Bible flat, which is kind of reading as literal as anything. And the problem with the flat reading is you don't take into account cultural differences. You're not going to take in, and nobody follows it flatly. We, everybody picks and chooses. This is the ironic thing about those who claim you know, we are Bible centric. Yeah, and I always, I'm always uh, slightly amused at that because I'm. It, it's no different in our setting, Matt. We have an order of service. We our, our gatherings are all designed, and we pray about it, and we meet during the week, and we prepare for those things. Uh, but but to the outsider or somebody coming maybe from an an Anglican tradition or a Catholic tradition they would go think it's all free-flowing right. because it doesn't have a published order, liturgic, liturgical order of right. where, where they would in their traditions. Right. Everyone has a liturgy. Every church does. Yep. The church that claims it doesn't, and they wing it, and it sure looks like they wing it. <laughs> That's their liturgy. Right. So They're so, always going to tend towards something in the gathering. They so, never do something... Completely fresh. Exactly. But that's that's what I mean. Like it's it's a liturgy that's baked in then. So maybe it's not on paper, but it's sure there. Right. And I, I think uh those unwritten things that actually drive us, that's the way even when we're reading the scripture, there's always a danger of us reading our biases into it. Hmm. Community's powerful. That helps smooth the uh verses like this. Perspective, the larger uh unifying story is powerful. Always going to be an element of mystery when you read some tough passages in Scripture. It doesn't mean that you don't look for answers and you don't ask the hard questions. Even some of the questions submitted, we'll probably get to them in the coming weeks. Some of them are really hard to answer. Yeah, they are. And I'm thankful for thinking people that aren't just... Because I probably would have probably exited from my church experience as a young adult because uh, I had hard questions and nobody wanted to talk about them, right. just believe, right? And I'd be like, "Yeah, it'd be easier to believe if we could have a conversation about this." Right. But there's always going to be element of mystery with right. some of this that pushes it back. And then the context obviously is important. What is the context like? This the context is here is wives of un, uh, uh, husbands who are not followers of Jesus. Yeah, that's a very unique context in that culture. Yeah, in that day and age, Peter's writing to Jews here. And it, and Christianity is an upstart movement. Exactly, yeah. it's a it's a cult. Yeah, in terms of Judaism, Judaism. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um. Okay, you mentioned something really quick. I just want to yeah. give before we we'll jump right into the questions that we got. Sure. Um. But you mentioned even just prayer being something that is important when we're coming to to moments. Yeah. Uh. And do you do you ever find prayer is uh like even like a one sentence prayer or something that before you read scripture or when you come to a challenging is there anything that you have yeah there? well i think i talked about last week when i find a tough passage yeah, and away, i push yeah. the bible away <clears throat> so i can create space to say why does this bother you john yeah, <laughs> why yeah. is it bothering you is it because maybe i'm reading it wrong i'm not reading it in context so i'm i'm reading into it my biases whatever it is or is it because it's convicting me yeah, and what a gift that is! But every time I go to read God's word, like when I'm, especially when it's my 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 time reading it, and it's not so much even just to study it for a weekend gathering, but it's always the same prayer. It's a Holy Spirit, uh, give me ears to hear, 
what you would say through Scripture today, eyes to see it, and a soft enough heart that I'll apply it to myself. Because it's easier for me to apply truth to your life, Matt, than <laughs> it, it is. is to mine. <laughs> and you know, it's like those gatherings when someone's preaching, you're just like, man, I wish so-and-so, I hope I hope my yeah. wife's hearing this right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I hope yeah. uh, it's, it's, no, this is about me. This is not The scripture's written not to me, but for me. So what in this would the Holy Spirit want to apply to my life? And there's this Holy Spirit dynamic. I don't want to minimize it. And I find it mostly happens in community though. Yeah. But when I'm in my private reading, which I encourage to do, but my private reading, I want to stay pliable. So yeah. Holy Spirit, let me see it. Let me hear it. Let me receive it. That's beautiful. Okay. I'm so glad I asked that because yeah. it wasn't on the script. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, I think so many of us could benefit from just having a, a, uh, a moment to surrender right before we read. Okay. Let's jump into some of the sure. questions. Um and keep sending them in. Thank you for all the people who submitted questions in the chat room on the weekend, for people who uh, used the form on our website. We got so many questions. You already mentioned that we're not going to get to all of them. We tried to choose the ones that were alongside the topic that we're discovering together in this conversation. Uh, and some of them we're, we're saving for our, 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 our future podcasts. But some of them, we're going to think about maybe having other conversations just because you brought up stuff. And mm. we're discerning some of the questions that our community is wrestling yeah, with. Yeah, there's been some good ones, haven't there, Matt? And some of them had nothing to do with this series. So no. feel free. I, like, I'll be honest. We we'll probably won't get to them if they're not about the Bible and, and that context. But that won't mean we won't get to them eventually. Yeah. So feel free to, to do that. Okay, so question... From the chat room this weekend from Heather, who also won the pie this weekend. So congratulations, Heather. That's on its way to your house if you haven't received it already. How do we find uh, and read the allegories of the Bible and apply them to our lives when so many of them are invisible in our society? She gave the example of shepherding. Like, she misses the nuance when the Lord is my shepherd. Mm. You know, like, for David, that was a, a gritty experience. For us, it's a it's a it's a scene in, in embroidered on a wall. So how yeah. do we do that? I mean, Jesus was a master of allegory, a master of using what was around him. And he's in a fishing and agricultural society. So most of his stories kind of, everybody who was listening would have been nodding in the same direction. Like they get it because they live it. The mustard seed, yeah. you know, like I don't grow up around a lot of mustard seed, but <laughs> it, when you're in Israel, it's all over the place. Uh, and everybody would have gotten what Jesus was driving at there. I think obviously some good tools can help you understand some of the context, and we can talk about that later. But yeah. um, it, l l the prodigal son story is an interesting one because it's so radically offensive yeah. to the Jews in this day and, and in that day and age when. When Jesus is telling the story, I look at it and go, like, what a what a jerk, you know, like the prodigal son, he wants the money and he goes waste it, comes back. Yeah. Uh the Jews in that age would have thought much worse because like stone that guy. <laughs> well, yeah, because to to ask for your your inheritance in advance was to wish your father dead. Hmm. So it's quite dramatic what's going on here. It's very offensive. And now how do we get that with modern ears? Well, we need we need some people helping us translate eras. But I think, too, some modern allegory can be helpful. Mm. So you're grabbing illustrations from 
the the context of scripture and you're thinking, what's the modern equivalence to some of this? And they're hard to build because none of them fit perfectly, right? Because we're yeah. in a different era, a different culture. But the principles of the shepherd are very much laid out and something you can easily find that gives you the heart of God towards us. The you know, I will make you fishers of men. Not too many. And I grew up on the East Coast in the ocean. Yeah. I get a bit more of that allegory than some people that might be more landlocked. But uh, but it is a jump. A lot of these things are jump uh, jumps, but uh, Jesus was relevant to the culture in that day and age. And that's a hard work for teachers and speakers and communicators. Uh, we need to be relevant to the culture this day. It doesn't mean that we become like the culture, but we can speak the language. And I almost feel like you tell me what you think about this. Sometimes the hunting is part of it. Yeah, well, like if if we get get the Bible on our first read perfectly, we're missing some of the joy of reading the Bible. You know, it, it's so funny. It's like like when we talk about doubting. I, I think doubts are they either become a red herring; they give us a reason not to journey in faith, and we just we doubt and we back away. But doubts are portals, hmm. beautiful portals and doorways into greater truth and faith. And it's been part of my doubt journey that grew my faith. It was the uh, stuff that bothered me, the stuff I had to go exploring for truth and answers for. And so I agree with you. I think a lot of it is the mystery and beauty of journeying with a community for a long season in God's Word together Mm. that helps you, you know, with some of the allegory, contextual work, all of that, but also to, uh, like Heather's interested in this. Yeah. Heather, there's lots written on this, and it's worth exploring. Yeah, and she often shares in the chat room in ways that helps other people, you know, at the community moment. So That's so good. Thanks for that, Heather. Yeah. Um, okay, we, we, I don't, I don't want to go too long here, so we're going to keep this next one a little bit brief, but I thought sure. this was just too good of a question to miss out on. Cayenne, in the chat room, I think week one, asked, what's Leviticus about? <laughs> so I thought really quickly— Yeah. What what can we do to put Leviticus into the context of that macro narrative to at least for starters? So who's it written to? It's written to the Israelites. Right. Where are they at, Matt? They had just left Egypt being in slavery for 400 years or something. And they're, they're just becoming a, a, a nation that's known for their connection to, to God, this Yahweh, this I am person. Where are they located? In the desert. Right. So... Uh, that helps Cayenne with the context of what this, how you can understand this book. Uh, we did we did a little test earlier in this podcast from from Leviticus, uh, Leviticus yeah. nineteen, and and uh, obviously some of it you read and you just and there's even stranger stuff yeah. in the that book. There's even stranger stuff, but you'll notice that most of them are you could call it the hygiene book in some way. Yeah, healthcare and hygiene. Uh, there are prohibitions around how you handle food how you handle water, how you handle disease, how you handle all kinds of things. So in the macro narrative, that unifying story of the Bible, it's beautiful. Yeah, It shows a level of intimacy of God involved with his people. They're going through the desert with no refrigeration, no running water, no health care. And they're not used to that. No, they've been, they, even, even when they were in Egypt... They, they they yearned for it back, even yeah. though they were enslaved and everything else, because it was easier. Right. A, they knew it. Yeah. They were used to the rhythm of it. But two, 
they had ready-made provisions. Yeah. There was there was they could expect. Now they're in the desert, fully relying on God. Right. So you see those in those commands, incredible care for their hygiene, their health, their welfare. All of those little micro commands are all little moments where Jesus, God is looking after them. I'm looking after my people. And that should speak to us in 2023. You see, look at the detailed level of involvement in God in the lives of his people. Is he not concerned about how your little leaven's doing in school right now? Right. Is he not concerned about, you know, uh, what my wife is carrying with her mom right now? Right. Is he not concerned about those little things that are just... That that you know, step up our spirit. Exactly, like it seems smaller, and and you know, sometimes we can think like, God, how can I come to you with this when you know we're dealing with a war in the Ukraine right now? And of course, God is concerned with all of it, and He has a capacity to be. Yeah. But if it concerns you, it concerns Him. Right. And I love Leviticus for that reason. Okay, so uh, my only other recommendation is the resources that we were recommending are are there's so many that. Uh, answer questions like this. Right. What is Leviticus about? What is Deuteronomy about? What, what is James about? Um, uh, one, one that we're, we're, we, we had my big book that right. I talked about, the Bible Project, they had that whole series where it was explainer videos for each book of the Bible. And so you might want to look at that, Cayenne. Um, in fact, uh, the next question from our website uh, is, is along these lines that we want to give you some resources. Uh, sometimes when I while reading the text, I feel like I'm missing some of the context because some of the background information isn't provided explicitly. Are there resources you can suggest to help inform our understanding of Scripture? So first of all, if you're joining us in this season, go to our website, OneChurchTO, and right there we have a whole bunch of resources on our page during this series that are tied to the series about how to read the Bible uh, and uh, you know just context even for some of the books. We've we've uh, given some downloads and stuff like that, but you actually mentioned a couple other like uh, we we used uh, a commentary last week in one of our ways to read the Bible, mm-hmm. and you mentioned one that's really good for people who are just brand new to diving deeper. Yeah, like I, first off, I do recommend the Bible Project a lot. Uh, you put me onto the Bible Project, I, but in terms of accessibility, especially the videos, they're so uh, good because yeah. we, we've become less of a literary culture as much as we become more of a visual culture. And I think uh, it can be very helpful for people at all ages and stages and areas of interest. It's very engaging, well done, so scripturally sound, so theologically sound. It's like I highly recommend it. There's a set of commentaries, especially around the New Testament, but uh, they do have Old Testament ones. But the New Testament ones were written by a fellow named Tom Wright. And I think it's... uh, uh, I forget what it's called, Everyday Something. <laughs> okay. Uh, but it is uh, such a great resource, so accessible, easy to read quickly the context context, and to see what, what Paul's driving at or what the gospel here is driving at, what, what Revelations is driving at, which can be very complex. But Tom Wright, or N.T. Wright, as he's sometimes called, might be the leading New Testament theologian of our age. Right. And uh, he's a great voice, and he created these accessible uh, commentaries that I think are very helpful. Yep. So uh, that's a, a good one to get you started. And uh, we hope that, that you know, uh, what, even coming into community, asking questions to people that, you know, uh, praying those prayers when you, before you read scripture. I, I've, I found that even just reading slowly, new things pop out to me. We did something recently as a staff where 
we looked at Psalm 23 mm. and we just read it in different different translations and even that different things uh, were it, it was easy for each of us individually to see something jumping out at mm. us. So those are some easy easy ways to start um, uh, diving into this. I would encourage you keep submitting your questions. We, we have been really enjoying the questions that have come in and uh, continue joining us this weekend. We're on week three of our series and uh, you can find all the other content from this series on our website. Uh, and YouTube channel. And uh, join us next week for week three on the Follow Podcast where we continue our season two Dangerous Conversations. Thank you for joining me, Pastor Jonathan. Thanks, Matt. It's been great. Thanks for joining us wherever you're at. We hope you have a great rest of your week.